0: Ciao, I'm Marco. Hello, my name is Eric, and we are Curious by Nature. Coming from different places and having worked in the cultural field for several years, we felt that we were missing a broader context. So we decided to study at Erasmus University in Rotterdam. We read so many cool things,
1: and also we wrote so many interesting papers ourselves, but we felt disconnected from the real world. Why? Why is that? I mean, why is there such a big gap between academia on one hand and the
0: practice that we experienced on the other hand? We decided to talk with researchers themselves to find out how do they experience this bubble and how can we burst it? Let's reconnect academia with everyday life. This is Research in Reach.
2: But sometimes it's also difficult because I get so caught up in the academic world and the concepts and i feel like, oh it's so exciting and uh, i want to share it with people and people that are not in academia like yeah i don't get this or this is not interesting <laughs> oh okay i thought this was like, the best instagram post ever and nobody cares
0: hello eric ciao marco we're here for the second episode of our podcast
1: exactly Today we're going to talk with Shirley Newland, she is a PhD student at our faculty. We met her during a guest lecture of one of our courses this year and she was also the supervisor for both of our thesis projects. Her PhD focuses on sustainable tourism in the urban environment.
0: Which means? (laughs) Which means sustainable tourism in cities. Clearly we need to know what sustainable tourism is. I guess we will ask her about the, sustainable, the definition of sustainable tourism, right? Yeah. The reason why we decided to talk with her is because we, we think that she's already somehow bridging the gap between academia and real life or the real world. She is having a website which is called um, Paradise Found and also a very active Instagram account.
1: Yeah, this combination of a PhD and Instagram post and blog post is really interesting. How do you translate your 50 page PhD paper into a two sentence Instagram post?
0: I guess you don't. Uh, Why not? Well, let's see, let's ask her. I am skeptical about it. Okay. What would you like to get from this conversation? I really
1: want to know what her definition of sustainable tourism is, because I think sustainability is always good, but it's also a buzzword that needs clear definition in order to be useful.
0: Mm, Fair enough. I want to know how her research impacted her life and the relationship, for example, with her family or with her partner.
1: So, basically, this episode is uh, both about getting some practical insights about sustainable traveling, as well as about how Shirley herself is making the translation from her research to accessible posts.
0: Yeah. Cool. So, where are we going to meet? We're going to meet her at the Erasmus campus. There is a lovely spot in the middle of the nature. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we. I'm going to bring a table. It's, well...
1: And I'm gonna bring a specially homemade cheesecake for Shirley. Amazing.
0: So let's go.
2: We have a cake. Have ah, cake. Nice. <laughs> homemade? Yep. Looks like it.
1: What do you think about our art decoration?
2: The art the, the table you the mean? The
1: table and the plates.
2: Yeah, nice. There
1: are uh, I mean I'm I'm very happy with it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> How did you get it? It comes from your house. It's from my house. <laughs> yes! <Yeah. laughs>
0: mm, well done, the well, cake. We were wondering, when did you start, like considering uh, how impactful the tourist industry was in your life?
2: Yeah, I don't remember the exact moment, um, but I used to travel a lot as well, just looking. Oh, which place is cheap to go to. Um, but then in 2016, I went on this volunteer project uh with ISEC um, to Kyrgyzstan. And the aim of this project was to promote the destination as a tourist destination for others. And this country is it's beautiful and it's very unspoiled. There are hardly any tourists, and there's also no tourist infrastructure yet. Um but I thought, okay, so what happens if I, if I start promoting this place? Because there's also no fancy coffee place, no restaurant, nothing. But if more tourists start to come, then probably this will change because, yeah, tourists want to go out for dinner and want to have food that they know also. Um, and I thought also of the nature, if, if thousands of tourists are coming, what will happen? Will it remain this unspoiled? So I think this was kind of the starting point. And this was right before I started doing this master's in, in urban geography. I, I did the master's in Nijmegen. And then I was in San Francisco to do the research on Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And then I came back without a job and without a house. <laughs> okay, let's, let's wait until I see where I end up. Uh, and then it was Rotterdam.
0: So are you a tourist now when you go back to Nijmegen? Because now you live here. Yeah, you live here.
2: Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, if I go there for a day and I, I, yeah, I don't live there. But even if I'm in Rotterdam, I can be a tourist. Yeah. You know, if I if I go visit the the Mart Hall, am I a tourist or am I a local or am I a traveler? Who knows? I I don't. Yeah, there are not these strict lines between those concepts anymore. And yeah, there are many people that live in a city and they're still a tourist. What if I go to Erasmus Bridge and I take a picture of it? Mm. What am I? I don't know.
0: So the next destination is?
2: Um, Limburg.
1: <laughs>
0: almost mountains. Yeah, almost. <laughs> Hills. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the, uh, the title of your thesis, of your PhD thesis? Because I mean, I I guess I mean we can understand what you're studying, but uh... that's a good question. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's always a preliminary title, so it changes, you know, from the thesis. That so, <laughs> um, I think it's something like uh, models for sustainable tourism in urban destinations. I have two case studies so one is on Rotterdam and one is on Valencia um, and there's one article on Airbnb as well and then there will be one more that I'm still figuring out mm-hmm. um, but all of them are related to this idea of developing models for sustainable tourism
0: okay and what did you find out
2: in the Airbnb yeah study? or
0: also in the Rotterdam and Valencia okay yeah.
2: Uh, So, in in the Airbnb study, I I looked at how different cities are regulating um, Airbnb and I found there that there are actually multiple problems that are addressed in different ways. And right now, it seems, or maybe back then, this was in 2017, um, there was usually kind of, okay, this is the problem, we have a problem with Airbnb, we should have one solution for that. But it really depends on the type of city and the type of issues they are experiencing, which measures you want to take. Uh, so I guess that's that's the most important thing that came out of this.
1: Could you give an example of what are different types of cities or types of problems? Yeah. Like what what should we think about here?
2: Yeah. For example, um, in smaller cities that are not super touristic yet, for example, in Denver, in the United States. Um, There they were actually looking to grow tourism to to make it bigger and they said Airbnb can be a way for us to have more accommodation, to attract more people to come visit us. Um, But we also want to mitigate the negative parts of of Airbnb. Um, Whereas in other cities um, like Amsterdam or Barcelona, it has become such a problem and there's so much tourism already that they don't want to grow it. So they don't want extra accommodation and they said we want to get rid of Airbnb in, in the way it is now because it doesn't benefit us at all. It's only causing us problems.
0: What are the problems of too, ma- too many tourists?
2: Too many tourists? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, that it's, it gets too crowded. Mm. Um, and especially in those cities, there are so many people living already in the city. So if you add tourists to that, it's, it's just too full. Um, but another thing that you see in in those cities that I just mentioned is also that the facilities are catering more to tourists than to locals so you get these shops with souvenirs or waffles or I don't know ice cream um, which the locals don't use and they don't go there Um, while maybe there used to be a supermarket or a hairdresser before and they're being displaced because of the demand of the tourists that are coming Uh, and a third issue is that often you also see that the rents are rising or the prices of housing are are rising, especially when there's also a big presence of Airbnb because they take off houses for, for rent or that you can buy off the market for um, permanent residents and they're being rented out to tourists. So I think that's also another issue of too many tourists and too many Airbnb apartments related to that.
1: So, but I hear you say, first, there is a city like Denver who wants to attract tourists. Mm -hmm. And then there is this mechanism that the city and entrepreneurs will cater more for tourists Mm -hmm. and will kind of lose sight of the local residents. Yeah. Is that something that can be stopped?
2: Yeah, I think this is a good point that you raise, because this is indeed a problem that the cities that are not experiencing... High levels of tourism yet and they just want to grow and they and they don't really think ahead of the consequences so they just start attracting tourists without keeping in mind what could possibly go wrong and have a policy in place for that and then only when it does go wrong or when you're experiencing the negative effects then they start thinking oh shit what to do now well it's maybe too late already or it's hard to reverse
1: but why is that I mean or why does the city lose track of its locals' interests?
2: I'm not sure if if the the local government loses track of, of the residents, but I think they focus on the economic benefits of tourism, and they see this as a way to stimulate the, the local economy as well. So they think, okay, if we have more tourists coming, it brings more money. So it's also good for the people living in the city. And to a certain extent, this makes sense because, yes, Tourists do bring money and it does bring opportunities. But if this is the only thing you focus on and you forget to look at the other things, then you might not be able to preserve like, the quality of life for, for the residents in the end.
0: What does it mean, sustainable tourism?
2: That's a good question. <laughs> well, yeah, um, when I looked... At this, uh, when I looked at the stakeholders in Valencia for the residents, it meant no more tourists, no more Airbnbs. I mean, they're they okay with some tourists, but not the level that it's at right now and not the le- the amount of Airbnbs that are present right now. So they said we want stricter regulations for, for these Airbnb apartments, but also for um, restaurants that are catering to tourists not to not have too many whereas for the city sustainable tourism could mean um, that they're attracting quality tourists maybe the one maybe the creative tourists but also high-end tourists like the one that goes to congresses or comes with uh, i don't know with a cruise but then if you look from an environmental perspective a cruise is not really sustainable so the environmentalists say but hey this is not sustainable tourism because it's a cruise and it's polluting. So there there are many different views on this and there's no one standard definition. So I guess that's also something that needs to be worked on, I guess, per destination even, to see how they define sustainable tourism and how people can work towards that.
1: But then that's, I feel, a very academic approach, but then if you would write an Instagram post about (laughs) sustainable tourism. (laughs) You obviously wouldn't say, well, it depends on all no. these perspectives. You would say...
2: I, I would I would give my perspective.
1: <laughs> Your um, personal perspective. My pr- my per-
2: yeah, the way I see sustainable tourism. And if you want a very complete description, then I guess for me, sustainable tourism means a balance between quality of life of the city and the economic benefits and, yeah... From tourism, and that the tourists can enjoy the city as well, but without disturbing the quality of life
0: I would like to actually get an answer from uh, what is sustainable tourist from your personal perspective
2: as a traveler for me it means that you you're very conscious of the impact you can have as a tourist and take it into account and I think this impact consists of the cultural impact you have on a destination and the local people there, the economic one, because you bring money, of course, Um, but also the environmental one. And then if you make your choices, where to go, what you'll do during your vacation, base it on those, those three factors.
1: So for her, as a traveler, the definition of sustainable tourism means three things, basically. It's economic, environmental and cultural sustainability. I think economic sustainability is about how you spend your money.
0: When you are a tourist.
1: Yeah, when you are traveling somewhere.
0: To be sure that you are not always spending your money on global brands.
1: Yeah, environmental is also quite
0: easy to understand. It's about flying less. For instance, yeah, or also not going to Thailand every summer. You can also go to Limburg or whatever, nearby your place.
1: Finally, cultural sustainability is very much tied to the economic one. Since it's about fostering cultural identity and local identity, uh, to make sure that not every city ends up with a McDonald's.
0: Do you want to say something about your website? Yeah, of course.
2: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I started this website, it's called paradisefound.nl um, and I started this because I felt like the research that I'm doing could have an impact on society. Um, but if I just keep it inside the academic, academic world, then nobody would really know about the results. Um, so I started the website, started to write blogs about this topic, making it more accessible to, to different kinds of people uh, to learn about sustainable tourism.
1: Yeah, I think it's good to talk a little bit how exactly you translate your research into practice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you do that?
2: Yeah. The thing that I started with was the the website just to to write about the research in um, easier in an easier way, I'd say, not with all the academic jargon and, and literature references, just an overview of, of the main storyline. Um, And I found that a lot of people find that attractive and interesting. So, Um, and apart from that, I try to approach uh, local newspapers or online magazines to have something published on, on my research to make sure that something comes out of my research that potentially could be used. The information all of a sudden gets very practical if you leave out all this literature and just Say okay, this is the consequence of what I found, and this is how you can can do something with this. So it's just I don't like that makes the sense. conclusion.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the conclusion part of your research.
2: Exactly. You're yeah. Basically,
0: you polish it a bit. Yeah. And uh, this is what you present. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think when I try to write a blog based on on an article that I wrote, it's mostly the conclusion. Like hmm. The whole middle part is not even part of that. Maybe some parts of the introduction, um, but other than that people don't are not necessarily interested in all the details uh, because they just want to know what came out of it and, and what it means.
1: But then I can imagine that you spent five years here doing all this research and then there's this conclusion and then people, as you say yourself, they only care about the conclusion and like, the practical results. I mean, like, okay, so what does it mean? Then it's, I can imagine that it feels like, oh, what am I doing here for five years? It's
2: true, but, you know, to get to that conclusion, you have to do the research. And I could choose to, to not describe everything in between, but then I wouldn't pass the PhD anymore. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I guess it's also two worlds that that, um, yeah, that I'm working with. Because on the one hand, for academia, you need to embed it in literature. And for others, to find your argument credible, you need to use that. And they can use it to further the debate. Uh, but this is a more an abstract debate. And if you want to translate it to society, then, yeah, it's more to the point, more concise. Um, but you need to have done the work before you can, can make the arguments and, and have the conclusion
1: do you think the audience notices this or appreciates it
2: I think so yeah I I feel like it gives some credibility if you if you've done research for a couple of years on a, a topic and you've read a lot about it, it automatically you have more knowledge I guess than someone who just says something without and maybe if someone has experience from working of course you can can have solid arguments as well but um yeah i think doing the research and actually knowing a lot of details can also give you some some credibility
1: i think it says on your instagram page also that you do are a phd student yeah
2: i i do that deliberately because when i started i noticed that Many people thought that I was just another blonde girl having a travel blog saying, oh, look, this This is nice, you should go there. And I thought, no, this is not what I'm doing and it's not how I want to come across. So therefore, I put I'm someone who's doing research on yeah, you're this leveraging. topic yeah, so yeah. people know, OK, this is something different. I remember when I when I started with the Instagram and, and the website, sometimes I, I wrote some things and they were really based on theory because I thought it would also be interesting to share some of the theoretical ideas with other people. But then I didn't really feel, I mean, it wasn't that people would say to my face, no, this is stupid or I don't care, but I felt like people were not really engaging with it. But now I also noticed that there are different ways. If you have a theoretical concept to make it a bit more fun, sometimes I make these quizzes, and and then all of a sudden people think it's it's way more interesting to to engage and to think about the topic, but it's in a different way than just describing the theory.
1: It feels like there's some tips and tricks on how to translate it into yeah an Instagram post. And
2: to be honest, I'm I'm still discovering myself. Because I have no experience and I am in no way uh, an expert on social media or anything. So I'm just trying some things out. But there are some fun examples uh, that I I get some inspiration from. There's there's one Instagram account. It's called how not to travel like a basic bitch. (laughs) And uh, this is a person who actually obtained a PhD uh, in the United States. Um, She quit academia, but she's now also sharing some of the ideas that she has from her theoretical insights and her research and she's she's sharing it with a, a broader audience and she has thousands of followers uh, and they're all really engaging so i think yeah that's that's it's really cool to see that it it can work in in such a way
0: i'm very keen on um uh know how your life changed, or at l- your lifestyle changed after all this research?
2: I think it mostly changed for the way I travel, because yeah, the research is related to that. Um, and I, I started thinking at the beginning, when I was doing this research, I thought, okay, how can I be doing research on sustainable tourism and read about this every day and write about it almost every day? And then not really do it myself that felt so strange and I thought even though my my thesis is not on the environmental aspects of tourism I still felt okay I know so much about it now I cannot really afford to keep on flying as much as I did also going to conferences twice a year uh, doing a course in Italy for example and I think I flew maybe 10 times a year and then i thought no this i cannot do that anymore i i just i felt bad about knowing the impact and still traveling like that same for being at the destination and being kind of ignorant on the residents and city life now that i know what's happening and and the impact it has i don't want to do this anymore so i also don't really like to stay in an airbnb anymore but sometimes there are also there are some struggles if you're traveling with other people that do want to do those things and you have to compromise so it's always this yeah but i know how bad it is so we cannot do it and they're like but yeah it's cheap and let's just do it for this one time so are
0: you talking about your your family your boyfriend or yeah
2: all of them friends also i mean yeah most people and after i start talking and they know a bit more about it they're like okay yeah you you have a point i see it now okay let's try to do it less but then when it comes down to it and you have to choose between a plane ticket of 50 euros and a train ticket of 300 euros which also takes 10 hours longer to travel then the argument is less convincing to a lot of people which i mean i can understand that but
1: so is that the end of it
2: no the debate is ongoing (laughs) when i did the the field work in valencia I, i insisted on going by train um, which was 17 hours, uh, instead of three. So, <laughs> but I won, so, uh, we went by train. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that Who's
0: was- Who's
2: we? Uh, me and my boyfriend. Ah. Yeah.
0: And did you enjoy it at the end, or?
2: No, because actually we had a really big delay ah. halfway, uh, um, oh. and we had to stay the night in Lyon oh. because of that. So we took, we had another, uh, an additional travel day <laughs> so no he didn't like it but i was still like no but it's it's part of the adventure it's fun like, yeah. we
0: built up memories here exactly
1: <laughs> that would be my argument to be like whoa we have this surprise
0: night in lyon yeah like nah my, when i came when i convinced <laughs> i mean when i convinced my parents to come here by train i was like you have to do it for the same arguments and um, my mom is like oh yeah it's an adventure it's so 18th century it's amazing <laughs> my father was uh-huh. like no i'm not doing this bullshit like i'm not gonna stay 18 hours and uh, catch a train in paris because then i have to run yeah. but they did it at the end okay but and how uh, did they like it well my father liked it when he arrived he said like this he was like i'm happy now that i'm here but I'm not going to, uh, I would like to not do it again. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Obviously, you have two more years here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You have ideas of where you want to go after?
2: Yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about m- moving to the northern part of Spain. Oh.
0: Uh,
2: it's n- not certain yet, but uh, we have this, me and my boyfriend have this idea in mind to settle there for a few years and live in more remote areas with mountains close by and the sea and um, maybe start some kind of bed and breakfast hostel kind of thing. um, Not Airbnb. Not Airbnb, no. (laughs) Uh, Based on more sustainable traveling principles. And possibly also doing research there, but (laughs) it's still far away.
0: So stop being a traveler and becoming a local then.
2: Yeah, (laughs) but still being a tourist, because I will still visit all the nice places there.
1: (laughs) I guess it's the best concretization of your research. Just opening your own bed and breakfast.
2: Yeah, but uh, then I'm also wondering what will happen if I do that to those areas, because it's more rural areas. It's not not in cities. So how will they experience a growth in tourism? It's growing already. And what happens if I I and others open such things? So it might be an interesting start for more research.
0: Nice. So at the end, there was also this perspective into the future that is not only about talking and writing, you can also take concrete action. Like, for instance, opening something in the north of Spain and move there with your boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. What I
1: really take away from this is also the three factors of traveling sustainably.
0: You know, the environmental one, the cultural one, and the economic one. So we could fly less, we could visit more local, activities we could buy more local yeah and cherish the local culture true and i like to think that you know like shirley when she stopped in Lyon with her train that could be part of the of the journey you know you stop in a city because you are you decided to go to another city by train taking 12 hours of two days
1: Yeah, I think the key here is to not see the journey as like an obstacle to get somewhere, but also as as an adventure in itself.
0: So maybe it's not about the destination, it's about the journey.
1: (laughs) Cheesy. It's a cliche, but hey.
0: And who is going to be the next guest? Ah, yeah. So next week we're going to talk with Aria Daga. Which is one of our uh, lecturers.
1: Yeah, she was one of the teachers also from our pre-masters program, uh, also a PhD student, uh, so the third one in a row.
0: And her research is about the music industry and the informal economy, and particularly related with uh, Mumbai. So she will probably show us or share with us some cool music from India. Cool, uh, I'm very excited for that one. Uh, for now, we want to
1: thank, of course, Shirley Nuland for participating with us uh, and sharing her
0: uh, knowledge. Oh. And also go and check out her blog, paradisefound.nl and also her Instagram page. <laughs> and thank you for all those people that are keep on trying to not fly all the time. Uh, thank you to Marco's dad for being uh, not a basic bitch. <laughs> thank you
1: once again, Hans, for providing us with the music. And thank you for listening. Let us know what you think by leaving a comment or review about this episode wherever you are listening to the podcast. It will help us a lot. Ciao. Ciao.